I'm going to take a minute now and pray that God would open our hearts as we get ready to hear from the Scriptures. Lord, um, our souls are hungry and we need to be fed. And we can't feed ourselves. And that's the reason that the Bible exists. Um, it, it, it's not something that people made up so that we could make ourselves feel better. It's not a list of rules that we made up so that we can make other people feel worse. Uh, it is food for starving souls. We need to know you, and uh, we need to know what you say to us out of your great love for us. So open our hearts now and um, make us hungry for all that you have to teach us uh, from the Scriptures today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Hmm. Would you consider this season a failure? Some of you uh, have, have read that question recently. It was asked by a reporter to an NBA star who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. His name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, he is an elite athlete, plays at the highest level uh, in the world in terms of basketball. He's led his team to the NBA championship two seasons ago and had during the finals run of, of that championship series, what some people consider maybe the, the greatest final series. I see Ken uh, sitting, he's a sports reporter, who's probably shaking his head going, no, Jimmy, don't say it that way. Um, <laughs> one of the greatest uh, <laughs> finals runs in history, right? And um, you'd think that if you played that well, it might be enough. But somehow that reporter's question says... So what? You accomplished all that in the past, but hey, this year looks like it was a failure, right? Now, the way he responded with maturity and grace to that question, uh, people have, have rightly applauded him for that. Read his answers. There's something there in there for all of us to learn. But uh, the very fact that we can ask that kind of question, um, reflect, it reflects the fact that every human being is wrestling with this question. Will I ever be enough? Will, will I ever be good enough? Can, can I ever be good enough to silence the critics? Can I ever be good enough to satisfy this gnawing feeling deep down inside that I am being measured and I'm falling short? Um, will I ever be good enough to make up for all the ways that I have hurt other people? the ways that I have let down people who trusted me, people who had a right to expect more from me and of me than I have been. We are all wrestling with that question. Um, when you hear words like this in the Scriptures, words like uh, righteous and righteousness and the verb justify or justified, they're in there because they're they're answering this question. Can I ever be good enough? Can I ever be the kind of person that, that God would look at and say, you don't have to do anything more for me to be completely pleased with everything about you. Justified means being made right in that kind of way. We're going to hear those words in just a moment as Tom will read for us from Romans chapter 4. You're going to hear those words because, because in this part of the book of Romans, 
The Holy Spirit is, is confronting us with that question. Will we ever be good enough? And we're going to hear that there are two ways to answer that question. One way is a way of boasting. And the other is a way of trusting. Let's listen to what God says about answering that question as Tom reads for us in Romans 4. Thank you. Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now through the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not count his sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The biggest problem in the church is them. Always. Right? Whatever the problem is, the biggest problem in the church is always some group of people that I don't belong to. It's somebody else. It's, it's them. If we had been living in Rome in the first century, we would have seen that kind of tension and division in the church. There were Christians in Rome who had grown up uh, in the Jewish faith, Jewish Christians who had come to trust Jesus, but, but they had come out of this background of Judaism. And they were hoping that the Apostle Paul would write this letter to their church and rein in the grace camp, the people who were too loose, who weren't strict enough in, in the way they interpreted God's commandments and lived it out in Roman society. Come on, Paul. The problem in the church is them, the grace camp. Will you dial them back? Meanwhile, Christians in Rome who hadn't grown up in a Jewish background, call them Gentiles. Gentiles, word that means everybody who's not Jewish. Gentile Christians in Rome were like, yeah, the biggest problem in the church is them, these kind of backward believers, these Jewish Christian people who are so strict. Paul, will you please put them in their place? Dial them back, rein them in. And here comes Paul saying, you know what? The biggest problem in the church is the gap between God and humanity. The biggest problem in the church is not them. It's, it's all of us. We have all failed to live up to the good we know. Whether we came to know that good by growing up in a religious household that studied the Bible like Jewish Christians in the first century, like many people in this room, or whether we came to know about that good in some other way, all of us know more good than we practice. It creates a gap between us and the God who made us. And none of us can be good enough 
to make up for it. So we try to find a way to fill in the gap. Here's one of the ways that we try to fill in that gap. It's a way called boasting. This is a human tendency. This is not a tendency among some set of human beings, but among all human beings. If you read the book of Romans starting from chapter 1, you see this kind of argument piling up that every human being knows more good than we practice. So how do we respond? Well, one of the human responses is boasting. You'll notice that Paul is writing about Abraham, but he's using Abraham as a test case for what goes on in the heart of every human being. So he's not just talking about some obscure person who lived a long time ago. He's talking about every human being. Later in chapter 4, uh, past the section that Tom read for us, uh, the Apostle Paul even says this just directly. He says, these words, this is in verse 23 of chapter 4, were not written for Abraham's sake alone, but for ours also. Everything written about Abraham says something about every human being. Okay, what's the issue? Well, it's boasting. Chapter 4, verse 2. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But this is true of every human being. We, we, we want something to boast about. We want to be able to say, I can make it right by doing enough good to make up for the wrong. And if that happens, I want to be able to take some credit for it. Which is why we find this illustration about earning money. Right? Um, verse 4. To the one who works, his wages aren't counted as a gift, but as his due. It's what he is owed. If, if you have a job and you do the work, and you have enough strength and enough wisdom to complete the task before you, then somebody doesn't send you a paycheck at the end of the month and say, hi, we thought we'd give you this gift. It's not a gift at that point. You earned it. They owe it to you. Right? They are in your debt because you've earned it. We, we want to be able to boast and to say, somehow I can be strong enough and good enough and make myself right. Now, if you believe in God, you're saying, I can be strong enough, wise enough, good enough to make myself right with God. If you don't believe in God, you're still thinking, I can be strong enough, good enough, right enough, to be right with the universe. There's something out there that I'm answerable to. There's somebody out there who wants to measure me and I'm going to fall short. But can I do enough? Can I do enough to make it right again? There are two flavors of boasting in the human race. One, I would describe this way. It's, it's a doing more boasting. We will have higher standards in more areas of life and then the boast becomes, we are good at doing what is right. We will do the right thing more often and in more areas of life than other people. That's the doing more version of boasting. The doing more version uh, would have been easy for Jewish Christians in first century Rome to go, 
We are doing more to obey the commandments of the Scriptures than the grace camp. They're too loose. They don't do enough. We're doing more. And we are asking how God calls us to live in every area of life. So we're doing more in more areas of life. And frankly, we're just um, we're doing more than the rest of these people. We're earning it. We're kind of, if God's going to look at us and say, who's right with me? He's going to favor those who are doing more. That's the boast. Even if you never say it that way, there's something in your heart that wants that kind of credit. That's one flavor of boasting. It's the doing more flavor. And then there's the doing better flavor. Wait, 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 wait. I don't want to talk about doing more. I don't want more rules and more areas of life. This doing better flavor of boasting says we won't necessarily have higher standards, but our standards are going to be broader and, and a bit more relaxed. We're going to be more chill. But our priorities are going to be better. We're only going to be worried about the things that really matter. The strict people, their priorities aren't right. They're interested in, in, in how you're doing in, in so many areas of life. We're a little more sophisticated. We're not doing more. We're just doing better. The Gentile Christians in first century Rome would have been familiar with that. Like, hey, y'all are worrying too much about who eats meat sacrificed to what's God. It's, it just tastes good. Just eat it. Your priorities are all wrong. We're doing better than you at getting our priorities right. Now, if you hear some reflections of contemporary culture in all of this, you know why? Because we're human. Everybody who's alive right now on this planet is human, right? And, and this human tendency hasn't changed. We know deep down, every one of us, that we are being measured and we are falling short. Whoever's doing the measuring, we have this kind of echo of Eden in our hearts. That we're made in the image of a God who made us for something more than what we're actually being and becoming. We're falling short and we want to fill that gap. Pick a way to fill a gap. Boast in something. You either boast of, I'm more conservative or I'm more progressive. If I'm conservative, I'm doing more good in more areas of life than everybody else. I know how to do what is right. I know how to do my duty. I know how to uphold traditional values. If you're progressive, you're saying, my priorities are straight. I don't want to get all up in people's business. I got a few basic principles that are really important, and I'm going to live those out. And I'm going to ask the rest of you to just be quiet. I'm doing more than you. We're doing better than you. But it boils down to the same thing, doesn't it? There's a gap, and we want to fill it by either saying more or better about ourselves or the group that we belong to. The biggest problem in the church is not them. The biggest problem in the church is this gap between us and God and our tendency to fill it in the wrong way. Have you ever done any carpentry 
I know Yuri has. That's what he does for a living. And um, at some point, you're going to make this mistake. You're going to make the measurement, and you're going to cut the board off too short. And just be honest. There are times when you go, the board's too short, the gap's too big. I think I'll cut the board off again. Right? You make a second mistake. The board that's already too short, you go back and adjust it one more time, and now it's, you just made the problem worse. That's humanity. There's a gap between us and the goodness we aspire to. There's a gap between us and the God who made us. We don't measure up. So, well, let's cut the board off again and add some boasting to all of our other kinds of failing. We just cut the board off and made it shorter. We made the problem worse. What we need is a completely different way, a way that's not about boasting at all. Um, I stood last week right here as we were celebrating the Lord's Supper. We'll do it again this morning. And um, it, have you ever seen my face doing weird things while we're celebrating the Lord's Supper? It's because I'm listening. I'm not listening to y'all. Don't take it personally. I try to listen to the Holy Spirit. What are you teaching me? What are you teaching me in this moment about knowing Jesus? Over the past few weeks, I've had a whole lot of reasons to reflect on the fact that I don't measure up. I have disappointed a lot of people in a lot of ways over my 53 years. That's a long time to let people down. Did I let everybody down? Well, probably not. Did I let everybody down in every possible way? No, by God's mercy and grace. None of us is as awful as we could be without his kindness at work in our lives. But yeah, I've had a lot of reasons over several weeks just to be confronted with this fact that like, I have hurt a lot of people deeply, sometimes by things I've done and sometimes by things I've not done. You can't be a husband. You can't be a father. You can't be a pastor. You can't be a follower of Jesus. You can't be a human without hurting people and letting them down. And I'm standing here and just thinking, I will never, ever be able to do enough good to make it up to all the people I've hurt. And then the very next thought is a good place to stand. The very next thought is, but Jesus will always be enough. That's what the word righteous means in the Bible. That's what the phrase righteousness means. That's what the word justified means. Jesus will always be enough. There's another way. We don't have to boast. There's a way called trusting. And it's about, it's about grace. It's about receiving a gift. It's not about boasting that we have earned our wages. It's about receiving a gift. Back to verse 4. The one who works, his wages aren't counted as a gift. But God gives gifts. God gives gifts. We don't have to earn something from God. He, in his kindness and mercy, lavishes grace on people who have done nothing to deserve it. This way of trusting has to do with receiving 
the gift that God wants us to have. And this way of grace lets us be honest about what should be counted toward us. The Apostle Paul is talking to Christians who value the Scriptures, and so he he pulls from the story of Abraham and the book of Genesis, and he draws from one of the Psalms of David, king of Israel. And he says, look, if we're honest, you know what ought to be counted against us? It's all of our failure. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. If I ask God to pay me what I've earned, I better be careful. Because there are a whole lot of things I've done wrong that that I deserve to have counted against me by him. And yet grace means he's not going to do that. He's not going to count any of those things against me. That gives me freedom to be honest about what all those things are. If they're going to be counted against me and we're having a boasting contest, I can't afford to be honest. But if God says, here's the deal, because of what Jesus did, I won't count any of those things against you. And you won't lose any points in any boasting contest with me or anybody else if you're honest about this. Well, now that frees us up to be way more honest. So the way of grace is very different from the way of boasting. We can be honest about what we deserve to have counted against us and just stunned by the fact that God credits something else to us instead. Right? Um, That God credits the word in verse 3 is righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. For some reason, God said, Abraham, you are and always, always will be good enough. Not because of anything you've done, but because I'm deciding to count your trust in me that way. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. It's a gift. Be stunned by that kind of grace. When the scriptures talk about faith, they're talking about this kind of trust that says, I'm I'm not trusting what I can do. I'm not trusting what I will do. I am trusting someone else's doing, not my own. If you read the rest of this chapter, it describes Abraham looking at his own body. God has promised, hey, Abraham, I know, you're, I know you're struggling. If you read Genesis 15, Paul's quoting from that. Abraham is like, God, you said I was going to be the father of many nations. I don't have a single child yet. How is this going to work? God says, make a deal, Abraham. Go outside at night. Look up in the heavens. Count the stars. Patch and I, a couple weeks ago, were camping out in Utah, and um, you know it's 20 degrees. It's, it's the kind of cold that makes you wake up in the middle of the night and shiver a bit. Wake up in the middle of the night, 2, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Living in Atlanta, I don't get to see darkness very often. 
I'm stepping outside the tent and I want to see what a dark sky looks like. And, and you can see so many stars. You can't imagine them. You can see the shape of the Milky Way. It's so dark. Abraham lived in a dark world like that. God said, Abraham, go outside in the middle of the night. Tell me if you can count the stars. That's how many descendants you will have. Abraham looks at his body and says, I am old. I am not capable of fathering children. He looks at his wife and says, she can't have children. <laughs> how is this going to work? I don't understand. But God, I'm not going to trust my own strength. I'm going to trust you. If you say you will do it, I trust you. I'm not boasting about how strong I am. I'm not boasting about how wise I am. I'm not boasting about any choice I'll ever make. I am just trusting God to do everything God promises. If you want to know God's goodness and power in its most concentrated form, you look at the death and resurrection of Jesus. That is the greatest sign that God will do everything he has ever promised. That he won't count against us any of the wrong that we have done. And he will count for us all of the good that Jesus has done. This way of trusting faith is that it's not looking at anything we do but looking at everything that God will do for us through his son Jesus can I just comment quickly on one difference that makes practically if I'm on the way of boasting it's hard to love you because you're my competition It's hard for me to boast if, I'm, if you're doing better than I am or you're doing more than I am. So already out of the gate, a posture of boasting makes me want to do, makes, makes you the competition. I have to outrun you. I have to outperform you. I have to get my priorities better than yours. So already, I'm not really free to love you. If I'm on the way of trusting, I am free to give you the gift of kindness even if you don't deserve it. When I trust God, he does that. He gives me kindness I don't deserve. I'm now free to be kind to you when I have no good reason to. I'm free to know you without seeing you as the person whose shadow I might have to live in, my competition. I'm free to disagree with you without hating you. I don't have to make you out as the biggest problem in the church of the world because I'm not on the path of boasting, it's the path of trusting. I'll leave you with a question today. There's one set of doors back there. Pretty much, 
you're going to leave this building the same way you always do if you've been here for a while. Or if you're new, the same way you came in is probably the same way you'll go out. So literally, physically, there's maybe you'll pick one way out of this building. But there are two ways to go when we leave here. Which way will you go? Are you going to go look for a way of boasting? That says there's a gap, and I'm going to fill it by saying, I can do more than everybody else. No, 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 no. No, you people are too strict. You're not sophisticated enough. I can do better than the people who are trying so hard to do more. I'm going to pick the path of boasting when I leave here. Or do we leave here and say, Lord, put me on a path of trusting. Trusting someone else to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Trusting Jesus as the one who has done enough. He will always be enough if I trust him. God will say the same thing over me now and forever. All right, so that's how it works. You leave, pick a path. 